Welcome, everyone, back to the broadcast. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network, and I am joined on this beautiful, I don't know, when am I posting this, Tracy? <laughs> Dave, today is Thursday. I'm posting this beautiful Thursday morning. It's pitch black outside. Uh, Tracy Pearson, also from Bruin Report Online. Tracy, how are you? I'm okay, Dave. I'm 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 pretty I'm pretty good. I mean, we're about a you know a little over a week to get this season kicked off, and I'm telling you, I mean, we're always anticipating the season starting, but this is such a big season for UCLA football. It just seems like there's more anticipation for this one. Yeah, I, I would say, uh, and with good cause. I mean, I don't think anybody's disputing the fact that this should be Chip Kelly's best team. They should be fun to watch. I would argue they were fun to watch last year when they went three and four, and this team should be better than that. Um, so I think there's reason to expect this UCLA team to be good. Um, there's reason to expect them to, you know, or at least hope. There's there's legitimate reason to hope that they have a good record, too. Um, so I think, you know, it's totally justifiable for this to be, I would say, the most optimistic UCLA fans are heading into a season since probably 2015. Well, I don't know if they they have since 2015. If there's been a team that's just from our observation is as good as this team is, and good meaning not just purely based on talent, but mostly based on experience plus talent. Um, so yeah, no, I, I think I I think I tend to agree. What was the last team going into the season where we thought this team's going to be good? It was 2015. That, yeah, it was Josh Rosen's actually, first year. Yeah. What did they end up? Like eight and five. They were fine. Right. They just weren't, they weren't, it was the first year of the tailing off from Mora. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, that was the last year where I think um, went in with reasonable expectations of them being quite good. Um, that first game, Josh Rosen, he threw that touchdown pass in the end zone. Literally, Dang. literally, I mean, and Rosen had a good career. Literally, the best game of his career was his best game of his career. I, I mean, and this isn't this is rational assessment. Watching that as his first game as a true freshman, all, oh my god, this this kid's gonna win a Heisman. Yeah, he, he was that good, and yeah. now he's been um, waived from the 49ers. Yeah, yeah, Josh Rosen's NFL career, not uh, not what we thought it might be. Yeah, um, but this is the here and now, Tracy. We're here and we're operating in the present. And the present is uh, UCLA is now uh, finishing up fall camp. Uh, next couple of practices, we'll wrap it up. And then they will start game week preparation for Hawaii. It feels like it flew by uh, this offseason. Um, we had spring ball. I think the, the time between spring and, and fall camp really made it seem like it just kind of flew this year. Because yeah. it went end of May and then suddenly end of July, we're back at it. Um but I would say from uh, the notes, the extensive notes that you and uh, you and Mike have actually been able to glean from basically 20 minutes of observation from the foothills of uh, the Santa Monica Mountains, um, <laughs> I would say what you've been able to glean has been pretty impressive. I, I, I give you guys kudos for it. But for me, um, the most important development, uh, which shouldn't come as a shock to anybody, is that Bo Calvert was moved outside, and Jordan Genmarkeith and Caleb Johnson are the starting inside linebackers, as we have been clamoring for, uh, basically since your first report about Genmarkeith at the beginning of spring. 
Yeah, what's really what's interesting about that, as soon as we saw him in spring, we said, wow, he's pretty good. That's back when we could actually watch, you know, all of practice and said, no, he's pretty good. The fact that he was um, a grad transfer and um, smart kid, so much experience playing at Notre Dame, you kind of thought he'd have a chance to maybe uh, – I don't think they're moving – Bo Calvert without someone emerging that they feel is a starter caliber. And if I remember, he was projected to start at Notre Dame. The interesting thing is he was at the will, the weak side linebacker in spring. So then they decide they want him and Caleb Johnson to start. Caleb Johnson looks more like a middle linebacker. I mean, he's bigger. He's 6'2-ish and probably 235-ish. Uh, while uh, is it? Are we calling it Genmark or Genmark? Gen, oh, I'm going. Let's go with that I'm going Genmark. You always do, but soft but I no, but I do the other way. So with the, when it's a GIF versus GIF, I go GIF. So, right, so you do soft G. No, that's the that's that's a G. That's GIF. GIF. But with GIF. this, I'm going Genmark. GIF I don't is know. Hard G, dude. I go GIF. That's soft. That's hard. Not soft. G is GIF. Yeah, but you're saying Genmark Heath is hard. What are you saying? What are you? How are you pronouncing his name? Genmark. Oh, so you're going. You're going. Okay, gotcha. You're going hard. You go soft. Yeah, I'm saying I'm inconsistent going, in my choices. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. I I've been saying. I you know what I'm doing inconsistency the exact uh, reflection of yours because I would say, GIF and, Genmark he. So whichever you know what. It's amazing we haven't heard this or asked the kid yet. But anyway, so you've got two Will linebackers, and instead of moving Caleb Johnson, who physically more looks more like a middle linebacker, it now appears, even though this is still hard to say definitively based on what we see, um, but it looks like Jen Markeith is middle linebacker. Uh, so probably he could make that transition easier and it, it goes back to that same kind of coaching philosophy. You've got, why have two guys learn two new positions? You know, you got Caleb Johnson, who's tied in at the will. He knows what he's doing. Just keep that and let Jen Markeith learn middle linebacker, I think is kind of the theory. Makes sense uh, to me. And it sounds, I mean, um, we watched Caleb Johnson last year and he clearly had that, um, the, the the nose for the football that is so hard to quantify, but you know it when you see it, especially in practice. Remember just watching Eric Kendrick's tear up practice, watching, um, you know, uh, uh, Miles Jack to an extent, but Jalen Brown tear up practices. Like those guys just accumulate tackles and plays. And then it sounds very much as if Genmark or Genmark Heath uh, <laughs> was doing the same thing. And it was something we never saw out of a guy like Bo Calvert. Um, so getting those two guys on the field, um, I think that's significant. Like I, when I was having major concerns this offseason, uh, a lot of it's something we'll talk about in a second, defensive tackle and replacing Osidigazua. But the other big piece that we've been hammering basically since the season ended last year is got to solve for the Mike linebacker spot. And uh, whether this ends up being great or just merely average, I, I'm having a hard time seeing a way where it's going to be worse than it was last year. 
Yeah. Um, I, I want to ask you, I want you to do a little bit of a reveal here. In our countdown, at number five was Caleb Janssen. Yes. <laughs> Caleb Janssen. Caleb Janssen. Where did you have him ranked? I had Caleb Janssen, as did you, at number three. Right. Okay. I, I thought that. I thought sometimes when there's a two-way tie, Dave. It's, it's the brain trust. <laughs> you said that. See how I set you up? It was beautiful. You... you set it up and I knocked it down. Um, yeah. Speaking of which, speaking of which, well, I got it in my brain because I've got to say it. Did no one find it very interesting that uh, Deshaun Foster thanked Michigan for Zach Charbonnet? Did you see that in his interview? He just said, "I'd like to, I'd like to thank Michigan for Zach Charbonnet." <laughs> I mean, that was kind of maybe. Okay, I guess I shouldn't say anything, but hypothetically, to me, that seemed a little snarky. I loved it. I thought oh, it was I loved great. every bit of it. Uh, Deshaun's got the classic, I was actually really good in the NFL and also in college, um, like not arrogance, but a little bit of swagger to him where it's just like, this is, yeah, I'll, I'll just, I'm just going to say whatever I want. I'm going to tell you that Christian Grubb tore his ACL, even though the coach doesn't, or, uh, blew out his Achilles or whatever, even if the coach doesn't want me to tell you that. Yeah. Anyway, I thought that was great. I wrote the tweet. Hey, anything like no one, no one said that that should have been a little controversial. I thought. No. But okay, okay. No. Let's go back to what we were talking about. Let's, yeah, let's forget let's that. Keep, it, yeah, yeah. Obviously, it doesn't have the impact that I think it does. Yeah. Um, we don't know how good Jen Markeith is. We really don't. I mean, he flashed a little in spring. It was still really hard to to watch because we didn't necessarily get to watch the team periods. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it, it, extensively, it's, but. It's, yeah, it's fundamentally not even really a question of how good he is. I mean, I'm I'm taking your word for it on a lot of stuff, but like he, like you know it when you see it. Like if a guy's flying around and making plays, um, it's more of just I I, I know how ineffective. Um, and I'm not like trying to knock him because it was his first year being a full time starter at it. It's a hard position to play, especially in this um, in well what was a three four base and then became a, a new defense. Um, but I know how ineffective Bo Calvert was, um, right. and getting anything that's just 20% more effective is going to have massive impacts for this defense. Um, and from the interview with, uh, Genmark or Genmark Heath, um, <laughs> that guy's got a great head on his shoulders. Um, yeah. you could just hear it. Um, so I'm, I'm very excited to see what that tandem is able to pull off, um, and I'm also excited to see Bo at maybe a position that's a little bit better suited for him. Um, you I know, because that's long well, been something to say about that, though. Okay. Um, I mean, he never played that well. He, I mean, he he didn't play the position. He did line up sometimes, kind of outside linebacker. But you got a guy there. Well, I, if was one of the top three or four defensive players on the team last year in Carl Jones. Yeah, and he still had the split time last year. And he had a split time last year, and then your move, they moved Bo Calvert to a new position. You're not even letting me gas up Bo Calvert a little bit. You're not even letting me soften the blow here. Well, no. I, I mean, I think not mutually exclusive. We, we can gas him up, but we can also say uh, a, little, a little presumptuous just to move him into the starter role while you've got the guy who is one of your best defensive players 
You know what I'm saying? Analysis of the politics of a team, I would maybe speculate that Bo being uh, the Mike linebacker last year has a leadership role um, where they might be trying to find him a place to be when it was obvious he wasn't effective at the mic, but also manage like, you know, the politics of it. But yes, Carl Jones, um, we were talking, I mean, uh, it kind of got memory hold a little bit because Quantrez Knight turned out to be so good. We thought he was going to be the dynamo at striker before Quantrez Knight came in and blew everyone away. Yeah. Um, and then at the Raider, he had to split time with Damian Sellers, Shea Bryant Strother. Um, but every time he was on the field, he was making things happen. Like just, yeah. and I, he's added weight this off season. Um, he looks bigger than his listed two fifteen. I was just, I was just ogling him today. <laughs> look at you. Look at you. Well, I mean, yesterday I he, mean, he he looks, he looks bigger than two fifteen. But yeah, I mean, I, I'm not trying to say anything here. I'm just saying uh, we'll see what that rotation is like between those two. I, I'm very interested to see it because I think Carl Jones. The more time he's on the field, probably the better for this defense. Um, Here's the other interesting element to it also. During spring, if you might remember, uh, they only really were playing two guys at that Raider spot, and that was Carl Jones and Joquari Price, which to me you know, is not deep enough. You're going to have a redshirt freshman in Joquari Price who, from all we've heard, is promising, but I, I think they kind of knew that they were going to move, move Bo Calvert there. But maybe I'm just reading into it. Oh, by the way, I just <laughs> I did something that was so difficult and took me so many clicks to get to, and that was the pronunciation guide on UCLA's uh, official roster, and it is Genmark Heath. So Genmark. Gen Genmark, yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna reconfigure my brain. It took me a while to reconfigure my brain for Stefan rather than Stephen Blaylock, and now I'm gonna reconfigure it for Genmark instead of Genmark. But you were saying you were saying Genmark, right? I was saying no. Genmark. Okay. Now so I need to go Genmark. So kinda, I mean, you're kinda like George Costanza, whatever you do, just kind of do the opposite. Oh, no, I wouldn't say okay. that. Uh, okay. But then, but but me not saying that, then maybe that is the <laughs> thing to say. Um, <laughs> so we could do this all day. Yeah. No, really you could fun. go way down that rabbit hole, or could you? Okay. So. Talking, yeah, that I, I know in your book that's the most significant move, and not to rain on the parade of Mr. Calvert, but any move there you thought would be a, a good one. Yeah, I mean, um, like not putting me there, but yeah. Right. Um, so there's that. Uh, if we're talking about looking at the two deep, the other significant, if, if we can glean anything would be what's happening at safety. Uh, last year, Quentin Lake, Stefan Blaylock. Stefan Blaylock. Were the starters. Uh, Quentin Lake went out for a while. Uh, uh, Elijah Gidry came in and struggled. On top of Blaylock struggling also. Um, so... Uh, Refresh my memory. Was Gidry like the first off the bench in 2019, too, at safety? He played a lot, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, because yes. Blaylock is now a three-year starter. Lake was out even more time two years ago. Um, so right. Gidry played a ton. Um, right. 
And uh, honestly, I thought he was a little bit, I, I thought he was similar both years. I didn't think he was that bad last year, but he certainly wasn't effective. Um, I thought he was, sorry, I, I really don't like ragging on kids, but I didn't think he was very effective. Just throwing knocks it, out there. Just nothing yeah, knocks from you. But um, regardless. to be objective. Regardless. Can we just be sunshine pumpers? Let's just do a broadcast where we're just all so optimistic. Look, Tracy, and let me be frank with everyone out there in the bro universe. Mm-hmm. All it's going to take for me to be gassing up the Chip Kelly bandwagon is beating Hawaii by like three touchdowns. <laughs> and I will be like homering so hard, you won't even believe it. But it it's going to take that at this point. Like I haven't yet had the off season like, you know, where I'm like, oh yeah, they're going 10 and, 10 and 2. Yeah. At this point in the Chip Kelly era, it's going to actually take something like a blowout of Hawaii. But when that happens, I'm going to be a goon, like just an yeah. absolute goon. Yeah, a hooligan. Yeah. When, when did they ta- why did they take? Since you know all about lines and betting because you're you've got a problem. Um, why did they take Hawaii, the Hawaii game off the board in Vegas? Because you guys were so cagey about reporting the fact that DTR was uh, in COVID protocols um, and didn't actually explicitly say that. <laughs> like, are we all just like, let's not be stupid about this. He's gone for, what, exactly 10 days? And we're like, oh, Chip, is it this or that? I love the way you approached it with Chip um, at the end of the I day. I asked him. He said there was no change in protocol with vaccinated players that they would go through the same protocol and i think i I mean we know that uh thompson robinson was uh, vaccinated he went to pac-12 media day yeah so i'm I'm sure he or someone around him tested positive Um, and it's fine look i'm i'm speculating i'm not basing that on knowledge but it's exactly it's just you quarantine if you're vaccinated yeah i think that's what he meant by their policies aren't changing yeah, that's what I thought too. Okay. Yeah, because but I think anyway, they, they don't want it spreading yeah. even among the people who have waivers. Yeah. Safeties, though, have changed. Uh, it is no longer going to be Gidry first off the bench. Kenny Churchwell, who played some in the 2018 and looked promising, then opted out for 2020 and um, – God, when someone opts out and he had a history, remember he had blown out his knee before, you just start worrying about uh, about whether he is going to come back. But he showed some flashes in 2019. He, uh, it didn't take long. Well, just a note, he had to sit out spring practice too as part of his opt-out. That's how long it, it extended. So returning for fall camp was the first time he had been back on the field. And he immediately plugged in with the twos, along with DJ Warnell, who came to UCLA originally as one of those big cornerbacks, but we thought would be converted to safety. So the what I have a thing about safeties because they're kind of linebackers, and linebackers are my favorite position, especially big bruising safeties. I just love those guys, man. Like. You know, Kenny Easley is my favorite all-time UCLA player, number one. Who was that huge – God, I'm forgetting his name. Huge safety. Probably yeah. about 15 years ago. He was like 6'3 and 225. Jared Page? No, it wasn't Jared Page, but I love Jared Page too. Uh, Chris, anyway. Horton, Chris Horton was like 6'1, 210, 215. 
Yeah, no, there was someone else who was like freakish size. But anyway, they're both 6'2". There was and, Christian Ramirez, but he converted to running back. Yeah. They're both, they're both large guys. And Kenny Churchwell has a rep for being a bit of a headhunter. So this is that's gonna be kinda that's gonna be kind of fun to see those guys coming coming off the bench. Um and then behind them, uh well, well that's probably and then Gidry will be behind those guys. So You must really be hard up for safeties because you just followed my inside linebackers being the most important thing with also important the third string safety. Yeah. You just love safeties. I do. I do like it. <laughs> safeties is a great. It's a great position to play. It really is because the ball's mostly in front of you, and you're just coming up on the ball when like a receiver's in a seam route going across and laying out his rib cage right in front of you, and you can like break his ribs. This and is, this is telling us some stuff about you, Tracy. <laughs> Come on, we have to admit we all like a bit of the violent part of. Um, football don't you dave you're just a finesse guy um yeah i mean like watching somebody get hit really big is okay it's not my favorite part of football i like watching the uh strategic element i like the uh the pretty so cast cere- plays you know you're just cerebral you're so cerebral yeah you know yeah i don't want to see people get hit because like I, I i feel for him too much i don't want to get hit like that i don't want to hit people like that i just don't yeah, want to have I any mean- hitting when you have the bat, you know the calls that are, you know, the targeting. Those get to me too. I gotta admit, but a yeah, good no, yeah. hit is it's just so. We're, we're, look, we're all operating in the unreality where we don't talk about this, but also like that whole concussion thing. Don't. Yeah. 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 You know. Yeah. Not so good. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah. So those developments. Um, but also cornerback. Cornerback is where I was going next because um, certainly Devin, Devin Kirkwood impressed the hell out of you guys in spring, and now he seems to be part of the firm rotation, if not even potentially starting. Um, and Cam Johnson, the transfer in from North Texas, do I have that right? Yep. North Texas uh, has also, um, you know, seemingly been impressive. He has. And, uh, you know, on one hand, you worry a true freshman starting. But, you know, we've got some recent history. Darnay Holmes came in and started. And Devin Kirkwood could be on that level of talent, actually. So that's not that far-fetched. Right now, Cam Johnson is pretty much running mostly with the second string. But from what we have heard, he's been very impressive. Uh, And as soon as he really gets the defense down, gets all the calls knows what he's doing. He could be pressing to, to maybe start there. And then one of my favorite guys for has always been uh, Mo Osling. I, I've always thought the poor kid, just one of the consistently, one of the best all around athletes uh, on the team since he's been at UCLA and has really yet to find his niche. I'm niche. Are you niche? I, I actually go back and forth on that one. It depends on the uh, context. Okay. In this context? I would go niche. Okay, good. Um, then I'll go niche. <laughs> <laughs> God, I'm going to answer. Um, but I, I've always liked him, wanted him to really find a place where he could sink down some roots. And and I think he's doing that at the cornerback spot. Uh, Obi Ebo seems like a great kid. Seriously, I, I'm sure he brings a lot to the team in terms of experience and character and leadership and and leadership and experience. And 
<laughs> and don't forget leadership and experience. Yeah, and sometimes there's experience. But I, I, he just didn't play well last year. And I think it's clear that Osling should be playing ahead of him. And then the curious case of Jay Shaw. Yes. Um, you believe Jay Shaw played pretty well last year. I thought he was fine last year. I thought cornerback play, as far as such things go, was fine outside of um, leadership and experience. Um, I, I thought Osling did uh, much better than I would have expected, and I thought Jay Shaw was fine, as he's been fine, I would say, for his entire career at UCLA. Um, I, I didn't find anything particularly objectionable with him, and yet he's running, what, third string right now? Third string. He was fourth. And, and when this first happened and we first saw it, I thought it might have been, you know, it's just kind of a disciplinary thing. You, this is where you're starting fall camp. But uh, the, he hasn't displaced the guys ahead of him. So you can look at it a couple of different ways. Wow, that's, how, that's kind of how bad the cornerbacks were. <laughs> or Jay Shaw was decent. He was solid. And there are, I mean, at least three guys that the – staff think should be playing ahead of him in Kirkwood Johnson and Mo Oslin. Yeah. And the hope is that that is, um, you know, kind of the case that they've just developed or gotten, um, more talented guys, um, with, especially with Johnson and Kirkwood. Um, yeah. but yeah, it's going to be interesting because, um, we, we keep touting the experience of this roster, the experience of the roster, and, uh, they might very well end up with two new starters at cornerback. Um, this year. So, yeah. you know, there's just those interesting wrinkles that come out. I mean, they're going to end up with likely a new starter at linebacker where we weren't expecting one. Um, so, you know, those things about experience, well, it's, you know, get the benefits if they play, um, but also might just be more talented players. Um, so that's interesting. Um, on the, uh, on the negative news front, um, wide receiver. So first, uh, Dellen Hurt um, is has been suspended by UCLA due to a um, accusation of uh, is it sexual assault or just assault from 2019? It, it is sexual assault. Sexual assault from 2019. Um, so he's out, and um, no way of knowing what the ultimate adjudication of that will be. Um, and then there's also been some injuries. Um, some guys still working their way back in. So what's the picture right now, Tracy? Really, really kind of interesting. At the beginning, let's say back in spring, let's go back there, you would have thought, I mean, when I was writing out the depth chart, there were a lot of guys at wide receiver. You know, they slowly peeled away. Ethan Furnia ends up as a running back. Um. They just some uh, then uh, miraculously Dylan Hurt disappears during spring. Chase Coda sits out all of spring. Colson Yankoff has a stress fracture in his foot, sits out all of spring. Uh, so they were kind of dropping like flies. And then Logan Loya in fall. Um, and suddenly you're looking, I mean, uh, yesterday when I was at practice, I think it's safe to say that Chase Coda 
Colson Yankoff and Logan Loya are going to be in the receiver rotation among probably the top six guys or so. And they started out on the sideline. Well, they went through initial warmups, then went over to the sideline to stretch with the trainers. So they're not 100% at this point. So it's a, it's a little it's a little worrisome because you've got a lot of unknowns that they might have to rely on. Um, Cam Brown, the transfer from Texas A&M, who reportedly has looked pretty good. He looked pretty good in spring. Uh, but then you've got Matt Sykes, who we glimpsed last year. What did you think of Matt Sykes last year? I honestly didn't didn't um, didn't blow me Not, away. Um, not enough information, really, to even. Yeah, decide. I mean, from what I saw, he looked uh, like a guy who ran a few routes, but uh, overall, yeah. no, no real like read on him. It didn't blow me away, you know, like the way you watch Kaz Allen on his first play, you're like, oh wow, that guy's really fast. Matt Sykes didn't do that to me, but right. that's that's not a read on a player long term. So then, Kaz Allen, ex running back, who now complete question mark how he'll do at wide receiver. Then you've got a bunch of true freshmen in Keontae Lewis, who is Keontae Lewis, who is probably the most likely to play. He, he looks, he looks the part. He looks like a college player um, physically. And he's been running with the twos most of the time. So there is, there are some question marks here um, because Kyle Phillips is going to be that steady guy who probably gets 50 to 60 catches. And you've got Greg Dulcich at tight end. But if you don't have another receiver out there who's a threat, they'll be able to just really bracket Kyle Phillips and really not care about the rest of the field. So someone else needs to step up here. And um, people have said I've been unduly harsh on Chase Cota just because I didn't rank him very high in the top 30, because those rankings to me are how irreplaceable someone is. And Chase Cota, I think, hasn't shown us that he's not, that he's not irreplaceable so far in his three years. Um, so, yeah, there are a little – I mean, Dave, how do you look at this? They've got Kyle Phillips and Greg Dulcich, and you're feeling fine about the wide receivers or – it's an element where someone else needs to step up here. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's going to be a lot of production out of another receiver spot, um, just the way this offense works. Um, most of the stuff goes to the inside guys, um, meaning Dulcich and Phillips. Um, but, yeah, they need somebody else on the outside just to actually draw some coverage. Otherwise, they're going to try to bracket um, Dulcich and Phillips. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, I'm, I'm optimistic based off of what um, we've heard and seen from Cam Brown and Keontes Lewis that they might be able to provide something. Um, there's just not a ton of, I mean, I'm looking at these names and, uh, you know, Kaz Allen has some X factor to him and Colson Yankoff maybe with their speed. But if you remember, I mean, you remember because you were the one who was talking about him, uh, Chase Coda was also talked about as a guy with athleticism and speed. And I don't know if it's the demands of the offense or just, you know, a development with him, but I haven't seen that show up on the field at all. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if those, those just aren't, I think the X and the Z in this offense are just not glamor positions whatsoever. Um, and I, I think kinda, 
I think I think it's uh, to be determined. There, I I I know what you're saying because you're basing it on the data that we have, but we might it might not be we might not have enough data because we simply haven't had a big time guy at that position. It's true, yeah. but um, I think UCLA has been waiting for that big time guy since about 1998 at the outside positions. Uh, yeah. Save save like four games from Jordan Lasley in 2015 or whatever. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, true. Uh, it certainly could be, and it's going to be um, uh, maybe not even something that we would determine this year because it doesn't seem like there's an obvious type to, you know, seize that. So I mean, Dellen hurt last year, and I think he is uh, somewhat of an average averagely talented player um but he definitely took it a little bit more than uh, chase coda ever did or, he did last yeah. year I, I think that position is waiting for someone to step into it and and show some talent and, and take advantage of it yeah um, yeah so if we look at it here i'm gonna pull up some of the stats because i want to see what the third receiver has been doing in this offense so in uh, 2019 the last full year uh the leading receivers were kyle phillips at 60 Demetric Felton in kind of that Jack, you know, of all trades role, 55. And then Devin Asiasi with 44. And then next was Jalen Irwin with 32. Okay. So that's that role right there. That's that role. Um, and then in 2018, it was uh, 60 for Caleb Wilson. Oh, but then we had Theo Howard. 51 for Theo Howard. Yeah, but he was the main. He was the main receiver. Yeah, he was basically yeah. doing the Phillips just yeah. on the outside instead of on the inside. And then after yeah. that, nothing. Like literally nothing. And uh, I think it's because of a talent fall off more than anything. What we're saying, he was on the outside. They used that position. There just was no one else who was who was talented enough to really get open and throw the ball to. Yeah, this. But it, I would say it does look like very much a top two guys type of passing offense. Like the top two guys are going to get the lion's share of what's going on. I think uh, that's an, it's a very interesting thing we inadvertently presented here. Is that how the offense functions, or is it just because there isn't there hasn't been another guy? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so okay, so that's, find, find that other guy. That's kind of find another guy. Find Cam Brown, Chase Coda. Here's the thing, too. We keep talking about experience. We keep talking about will they have you know have that senior year, and I just keep thinking of Dave Ball. Dave Ball, uh, solid, solid player, then had like one of the, seriously, one of the best seasons of a defensive player in the history of UCLA as a senior, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, Cetera, I think, uh, how many sacks? Um, Several, several, several. I think, why do I remember 16? He had several twin ball sacks. I got to look it up. Yeah, twin, but he, remember the first couple of years, 16 and a half. Wow, I'm pretty... Excited, I remember that. First couple few years, you're all, yeah, you know, he's pretty good. He's solid, kind of slow. <laughs> and then he had, you know, he had a phenomenal senior year. That's what you gotta be hoping here that what happens with this team. That a number of these guys grow into themselves and have you know, not even a spectacular. Let's not say a Matt Ball, a Dave Ball year. Like, you know, he was a unanimous All-American. But let's just say a competitive Pac-12 team year, something like that, from Chase Coda, let's say. 
Yeah, have him do Jalen Irwin's 30-some-odd catches. Right. How much – let's – you don't want to look at – in 2000, 2019, he had 25. That was a quiet 25. Don't you think? Yeah. Average 14, 14 yards a catch. That was, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Okay. So, Chase Cota. <laughs> Just, you know, 10 more and, and, and you're good. Yeah. Um, and then Casimir Allen, what he can – maybe offer to take the top off or at least threaten to take the top off the defense so they have to honor that and stretch the field. And Casimir Allen, I mean, <laughs> our, the bros have a thing about Casimir Allen. You got to admit, no matter what, he's, he's like the number one guy that they think should be someone, and I'm not saying he should. I mean, my dude did on his like first touch from scrimmage go 75 yards for a touchdown. And my God, how there there we go. The same thing with like Josh Rosen. You're thinking, wow, this kid's going to have a career. Yeah. Um, he has been injured. He did have COVID last year, so maybe this is the year, and maybe they found a, a role for him. I'm not believing at all that they're trying. They're trying to be cagey here and saying, well, he's you know, doing some running back along. Yeah, he's. I've never seen him in our time watching practice. He's with the wide receivers, one hundred percent. Even Deshaun Foster said he's not in our meeting room. So yeah, I I don't. I think he's a wide receiver, but you know, we're being cagey for Hawaii. Don't yeah, well, confused. it's the same thing. They were being um, cagey about Bo Calvert's position change for no apparent reason. Um, yeah. It's just that's how this program operates. I have to admit, though, I'm 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 kind of curious about Colson Yankov. Yeah, too. me too. Because big kid, one of the fastest guys on the team, and apparently has shown some good hands. So, and when I asked Chip, like, who are some of the guys you know who could be a deep threat with some speed, the first out of his mouth was Colson Yankov. That had to be some impression somehow. Right, I would think the la- so. The last guy he saw in video that caught a deep ball. Yeah, I think that makes anyway. sense. Yeah. So I'm interested to see him as well. And then finally, um, maybe my wild card for the season, um, or at least to begin. Well, not finally. Actually, we've got one more thing to talk about after this. But uh, one of my wild cards for the season is, um, you know, very weird transfer, uh, nose tackly type J. Toya. Toya? Toya? Yeah. What are we going with? Toya. Toya. Um, who, uh, we, uh, basically, we can't really glean much from what we see from 20 minutes of practice. Um, but if he's able to play this year, um, given everything we heard about him from USC Spring Ball, um, from everybody who's talked about him or heard about him, uh, if he can come in and make a big impact this year, that's going to shore up one of my other major concerns, the center of this defense. Um, already inside linebackers looking a little bit better to me. If he can actually do it, too, up front, um, that'll be huge. But what if, Dave, just what if, here's another perspective. The last I saw him through walkthroughs, which I haven't seen him in at least a few days, he was with the threes. Um, what if... UCLA has some depth at defensive line with talent, depth, experience. 
did I say leadership before too? Uh-huh. And and uh, he's just he's just not good enough to break into that, like to get a lot of playing time. To because just the break guys, past guys like Daytona Jackson, Odua Isabor, Tyler Manoa. But let's say he's not quite good enough, more talented, let's say, but just doesn't have it given experience leadership. But he was because there was no one else, he was going, he was good enough at SC. That might be saying something. <laughs> I think all the bros should latch onto that right there. I'm uh, amazed someone hasn't said that yet. He was going to project it to start at SC and he can't even crack the two deep at UCLA. That would certainly be one rate on it. Um, and then when UCLA <laughs> goes five and seven or whatever, um, it might look a little different. Uh, like continued poor evaluations. We are speculating about future circumstances that we have no idea about. Here's something, though, I did want to touch on because I don't know if you read the little review of Oso Oso Digazua with his first uh, preseason game with the Dallas Cowboys. I guess, and I watched a couple of highlights. He he was really good. He was like, and they just lost their big-time guy defensive tackle to an injury. So now they're relying on him. Uh, Gallimore. Yeah, that dude. That he might be their most important rookie. Um, Is is there, what is this phenomenon that UCLA players can be either just good or just okay at UCLA and then they go to the NFL and they're really good? Is it, are they getting really good coaching? Or is it just this, they're actually good at UCLA? It's just the schemes have sucked? Uh, I mean, this is not, this has happened many times. Yeah, it has, and over the years. Um, but I think for Osa, what I saw from him over the course of his career was just, it was kind of the um, uh, different player, but the Ilianku kind of consistent improvement every year. Like just every year, a little bit better than the year before. And last year, until he wore down at the end, I mean, he was a wrecking crew in those first four games. Um, yeah. So this one doesn't shock me that much, but there have been some crazy ones over the years. Um, I remember there was one dude, uh, David, um, God, what's his face? Uh, he, he played like defensive end, and then he ended up playing offensive guard in the NFL. Um, oh, yeah. Chandler. Nate Chandler. Nate Chandler, yes. Um, Started there, out at tight end. Oh, and then there was also David Carter, who uh, David Carter did much the same thing. There are yeah. a lot of those guys. UCLA has, I mean, <laughs> this is, I'm just saying this without any kind of actual factual thing, actual factual to I back like it that. up. Yeah, that was good. Um, it has to be among the handful of programs that have done the worst in college football with the most guys in the NFL. Do you remember? Do you remember when I did that thing in like 2014, where I was just like, I'm gonna mess around with the spreadsheet for a while, and I did like the recruiting rankings versus actual end rankings for like all teams in college football, and what I came out with was like UCLA at that time already was like a top five underachiever. Yeah. Um, like all time, just based on recruiting rankings versus where they actually finished in um, any kind of. Uh, but that was on just recruiting rankings. How about success on the field compared to how many guys in the NFL? Oh yeah, no, I mean that's another thing. Is it's <laughs> uh, it, yeah. it, it works both ways because even you know you get the talent into school and then they underachieve, but they're still talented, so they get picked up on a flyer, and then it turns out, oh wow, this guy's still very talented. Chris Barnes. 
Oh, Chris Barnes. And I mean, Kenny Young, the simple fact that Kenny Young Kenny made a roster Young. is still, I think, playing in the NFL now is just... He's, and he's playing well. Yeah, I mean, it's just baffling. Absolutely baffling. Um, I anyway. think you have, to, you have to attribute it to... Maybe they develop players pretty well, but the schemes have been really so subpar that they haven't been able to put talented players in the right place to, to succeed, you'd have to maybe say? Certainly possible. Um, okay, so that's, that's Jay Toy. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see him. And then the other note that we wanted to touch on uh, was offensive line. Yeah. Uh, Sam Marazzo, um, who was has basically been nursing an injury all offseason, uh, at this point, we would say it's unlikely he's starting against Hawaii. John Gaines has been seemingly, again, from our 20 minutes, taking all reps at center. Um, Chip Kelly more or less confirmed that today. And they also have Duke Clemens there if they need him to slide over uh, to center. Did Gaines play center last year? He played a little bit. Um, center? Yeah, he, he, he took a okay. few snaps. Um so it's not um, – I liked Gaines last year. Um, I think he can play you one of those – You did in- like him, didn't you? Yeah, I think he can play one of those interior positions just fine. Um, the question will be whether the snaps are good and whether the line calls are good. But um, that's the kind of stuff we won't really know until we watch a game. But he's certainly got experience now, um, played a lot last year. Um, but it's another thing where we've talked consistently about the continuity, the experience, the returning experience. Well, this is, this is some significant discontinuity because Gaines played last year and he played a lot last year, but he didn't play center a lot last year. Um, he only played it a little bit. And that's one of the most important positions on the field from that leadership and experience and continuity standpoint. Um, so that's a significant one um, that could uh, it's one of those things that could affect the rhythm and timing of the offense. Um, so something to pay attention to. Uh, I think Gaines is going to be fine, uh, but it's, it's one of those things where if you have, if you want to have a concern heading into game one or something to be worried about, which I know you sickos want, uh, that's probably one that I would circle as, okay, that's something worth concerning myself about. I'll, I'll watch the snaps pretty closely and see if they're weird. Yes. Um, I would bet we don't see too much weirdness against Hawaii, uh, with John Gaines. Don't you think? Yeah. I mean, it's Hawaii. Yeah. Hawaii's like, uh, you know, 11 guys who look like me on defense. Well, why are we, uh, we're so, uh, we're so. No, I mean, the reality is. He hasn't won a non-conference. Hawaii's going to blow their doors off. Um, Hawaii's going to win by about seven touchdowns. Uh, Chip Kelly's going to be fired on the tarmac. Um, even they'll like drive him to a tarmac from the Rose Bowl just to fire. That's him. where all firing should be done. Yes. And you know, it's like it's like you're being driven to the firing squad when <laughs> yeah, uh, no. we're just we're just we're driving you to swing, Burbank, we're coach. By the yeah, we're driving you to Burbank, coach. <laughs> it's on the way home. They've got a little place like at Burbank where you can drive out onto the tarmac just to fire people. Yeah, no, it's it's a really easily accessible uh, airport for firing. It's a good business, right? It would be a really good business. Um, So anyway, uh, yeah, Hawaii's next week, which feels sudden, um, feels very early. Um, So that'll be next Saturday. Um, I don't know. I mean, I I looked at Hawaii in the offseason. I'm going to look at them again probably extensively uh, starting on Monday. Um, They returned quite a bit at that point. I don't know if any more attrition has kicked in since then. I don't think this is going to be like a pure walk in the park. They're going to have to prepare for it. I got on one of these 247 podcasts, I think, the one I did with uh, Trey, he asked me, you know, are they going to be just looking past them? 
to LSU or trying to, you know, get ready for LSU a little bit earlier. And I'm like, first, they shouldn't because Chip Kelly's 0-6 in non-conference games. And second, I don't think Hawaii's a pure joke. They're not going to be like a 2-10 and Hawaii team. They should be pretty here's decent, my, here, and Todd Graham's here's, good. Here's my question. How's their – what? because I don't know, and you've done a little research already. What's their run defense like? I mean, it's piss. It's Hawaii. It's okay, not so like that's, that's going to be the thing because uh, – yeah. UCLA is going to have a good running game. It's just, it's just, it's undeniable. Chip Kelly and, has uh, not uh, has not had a bad running game, almost right. ever. And, and and it's absolutely undeniable against Hawaii, unless they stack the box with all eleven guys, and even then. So, I, I just can't see it. I can't see it happening in any way if UCLA controls that part of the line of scrimmage in the running game, and. Well, there you have it. Tracy Pearson uh, reverse jinxing and guaranteeing a Hawaii win uh, when they shut down the run. And I got to tell you, I watched Britain. I forgot to write this in my practice report yesterday. Britton Brown was catching some kickoff returns. Okay, he was kind of a big bruising guy last year, right? Uh, Yeah, I would describe him thus. Um, He was uh, uh, tenacious as hell. Um, he, he is he is now pretty darn quick. I hope it's not one of those things where he's leaned down too much because he's quick now. He he showed a burst that you would not even think it was him, Dave. You you wouldn't. I am I am one of the largest Britain Brown guys in the entire world. Um, yeah. So I'm I, you and I'm, me. I'm you a and believer me. in everything you want to tell me about him as long okay. as it's positive. Yeah, but we're always skeptical of body transformations because sometimes we've seen them and it hasn't worked out for the best. No, no, I can remember Damian Holmes sliding into inside linebacker um, and not thinking good things about that body transformation. And remember uh, Ben Howland always wanting his guys to work out and get huge yes. and big and muscular. Yeah, and remember James he, Keefe going from James this light uh, power forwardy type to just some thick guy who couldn't play anymore? Yeah. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah. Speaking of basketball, really fast. How fast do you want to talk? How fast do you want to talk? You said it's going to be pretty good, huh? (laughs) Um, Yes. I I firmly believe it to be true. This is what we should do. This is what we should do. Uh, Recruiting. Uh, Basketball recruiting in like five minutes or less. Dusty Stromer. Uh, They just offered him. Um, I really like him. He's... Listed at 6'6", he's probably closer to 6'5". I could Skinny. actually feel your slobber coming off of that evaluation you wrote about him. Yeah, because uh, the th- just like with anything else, it's all about quickness. And he was able to just go whoop, 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 right by. I get that from, that's Greg Hicks's thing. When you're out at a game and he just goes, whoop, whoop, look, he has the ball and he goes, whoop, 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 and he's <laughs> by someone. <laughs> Good old Hicks. Um, yeah, that's what he can do. He's He's really athletic as a lot of explosions. So that's very, very encouraging. I would think UCLA has to be in the pole position for him, but talking 2022, it looks like they're going to be getting some official visits from guys like Vince Uchukwu, the seven footer, very talented guy. I'd have to still say, even though he hasn't said he would Ernest Uday, who, just released his top 27 and UCLA was on it. Um, but someone like Cam Whitmore, the wing, who's kind of a beast, uh, Julian Phillips is going to 
Uh, or I keep hearing that he's going to visit. And Mark Mitchell will have a second official visit because, you know, basketball players get two official – they can visit at school twice. They get five their junior, five visits their junior and five their senior year. So that's exciting that all those guys are going to be visiting the UCLA basketball program. And I wouldn't count them out necessarily when they get that visit. Um, of course, Mark Mitchell's the big thing. Right now, UCLA is going to have him in uh, – probably in September and then he's going to the little March what is it the October 15th practice opening thing that the Dukies do which I mean I'm trying to sound like I have discussed for it but it's a pretty cool thing I think that they do that it's very generates a lot of excitement so we'll see <laughs> we'll see how they do encountering that I'm hearing it's still UCLA and Duke for Mark Mitchell. Okay. That was great. Okay, thank you. That was five quick minutes. Thank you. Um, okay, well, do, do you have anything else, Tracy? I just, my whole my whole thing was done right there. You shot your wad? I didn't want to say that. Yeah, but I, you wanted to say it. You just couldn't bring yourself to. I I didn't want to say it. because No, I but it was, on the, it was on the tip of your tongue. Oh, now you're getting worse. Am I? Oh. Oh, okay. We need to end. You think so? I need. I need you, to. Go you need take to a finish. Shower. No. <laughs> One more, Dave. Come on. Come, uh, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Um, you, you know when you know when you're uploading a video to uh, <laughs> to YouTube and ask, "Is this okay for kids?" <laughs> It's never okay for kids. Not even yeah. if it's an interview. No, of, it, it uh, doesn't even say, is it okay for kids? It says, is it made for kids? And I always say no. And then I'm like, no. am I doing the wrong thing? I don't make, I'm not making this for kids. Is this okay. interview of Luke Akers for kids? I don't know. <laughs> is it made for kids? Yeah, we've got some puppets behind his head. Okay. Oh my God. All right. Okay. Well, this was fun. Uh, for uh, Tracy Pearson. I'm David Woods, Bruin Report Online, and we will talk to you again next time. Everyone, be as safe as you can out there.